Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sports professor Rick Haro, welcome to Beyond the Scoreboard, the show that goes way beyond the trillion-dollar business of sports, and it gets better every week. Unbelievable golf. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now the Ryder Cup and LPGA side. We have a really interesting interview with the lady that just won the Avion Masters. The deal with the NFL heading into almost the end of the first quarter of the season. Some upsets, some surprises in the boardroom as well. Baseball's last week. Hockey's almost first week. Basketball moving forward as normal. So we've got a whole lot of issues, and if you want to see the top 15 plus the top five in tech plus the top five in in philanthropy, then see us on horosports.com, at Rick Haro, NBCWashington.com, all of the normal sites. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes feed, and everywhere, everywhere else where amazing, above the board, above the fray, incredible, unique content is sold. How's that? Well, listen, before we get into the golf stuff, which is a primary reason for the interview today, let's talk about something that it's the Orioles that capture the headlines. Could you imagine? In addition to being historically bad. I mean, historically bad. They embedded themselves in history by wearing Braille jerseys this last week. The front and back on their jerseys, Braille letters, the jerseys worn in recognition of the 40th anniversary of the National Federation of the Blind, moving the national headquarters to Baltimore, autographed, authenticated, and auctioned off for charity after the game. Yahoo Sports says this moment marked the first time a pro-U.S. team has worn Braille-lettered uniforms during and after a game. Orioles' starting lineup was also in Braille. The attendees were given a Braille alphabet card before the game, and the National Federation of the Blind throughout the first pitch. Blind, his concert pianist, sang the national anthem. And to commemorate the moment, one of the historic jerseys was sent to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It is good to know that the Orioles, so tragic off the field, on the field, are looking at some good stuff off the field. Another interesting issue, we don't usually focus on it, but it's volleyball. It's beach volleyball in the U.S. Lauderdale will be the first stop of the FIVB Beach Major Series Tour for the second straight year. The fifth edition of the major series kicks off February 5 through 10 and continues throughout the summer. In 18, Fort Lauderdale watched as hometown stars Phil Dalhauser and Nick Lucina topped the podium alongside Brazilian women. And Fort Lauderdale probably currently the best spot in the Beach Major Series, said Hannes Jagerhofer, CEO of the Beach Major Series, ahead of the 2018 event. We can find everything for a recipe for success, he says. Next up on the slate is the World Championship event in Hamburg in June, late June, early July. 48-team event bringing the elite of the world to the tournament. We're an automatic berth to the 2020 Tokyo Olympics on the line. The final stop of 19 is Vienna, home of the 2017 World Championships. Beginning in Lauderdale, the FIVB series 
joins a pantheon of eagerly awaited mega events in South Florida and beyond. And how about the event in early February 2020? It's on the heels of the 2020 Super Bowl in Miami. Huge mega event tie-in. Can't wait. Yeah, let's talk about golf. We got to talk about Tiger. It's the only thing to talk about. First event win in five years, and the victory not only be the main storyline for the Ryder Cup, but the focus of the 2019 golf season to come. The Ryder Cup, by the way, becoming the biggest one-off weekend in sport as rivals U.S. and Europe join to offer new global commercial deals worth in excess of $260 million. Ryder Cup Europe and PGA breaking with tradition by combining efforts to lure new worldwide sponsors, a move which industry experts predict will send profits surging. Partially thanks to Woods' resurgence, record numbers are due to follow the action at Le Golf National near Paris starting Friday. Previous years, sponsors have put off big money global deals because they had to negotiate with both sides of the Atlantic with different marketing execs. However, this year UPS was named the tournament's second global partner in its history. There are currently 34 Ryder Cup partner suppliers and licensees and the average closer to 5.2 million, largely because of the big money deals, top PGA Tour pros, including Woods, command. Well, yeah, that's on the men's side, but the women's side stronger than ever. LPGA money increasing, tournament purses increasing, number of tournaments increasing. Got to see it firsthand with Dan Towers, Group 1001's sponsorship of the Indy Women in Tech Open in Indianapolis in August. So philanthropy increasing as well. But also the players, not just the uh, young blood in any sport, Koreans and United States players and otherwise, but also the players who are the backbone of the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour. Angela Stanford became the second oldest player in LPGA history to win her first major title behind Faye Crocker, who won the 55 U.S. Women's Open at 40 years, 11 months. Stanford turns 41 on November 28, and the birdie effort in the 72nd hole couldn't have been any closer. She looked toward the heavens after the miss and fought back tears. The bottom line was she wins, and she wins big, and she wins classy. She was the Fort Worth Girls champion in 93 through 96 and didn't know it would lead to six LPGA wins, pro-ams, sponsorship, speech communication degree from TCU, and she's obviously very interested and committed to being a life-after-the-tour successful player. She's also very articulate and thinks about a lot of different things and provides unique perspective. Her newest perspective, LPGA major winner, Angela Stanton. Ricardo, beyond the scoreboard, inside the boardroom, business of sports, trillion dollar business of sports, billions of dollars in the golf business. It grows every single year. We're here at the Volunteers of America LPGA Texas Classic at Old America Golf Course in The Colony, Texas. Did I get that right? Was that I all think good? so. Good? You're good. Angela Stanford, one of golf's superstars. She has Double-digit wins. No, she has. How's that? Does it get better every, every I love minute. It. I love it. I hope I see you by the end of the week. By, by, yeah. by the end of the week, we'll have a hundred wins. <laughs> yeah. Six wins. Solheim Cup. A, a lot of success on the LPGA Tour. Um, you start as a youngster, uh, a real youngster, successful youngster. 
1993 to 96, you won four straight Fort Worth uh, tournament girls championships. When did you know you were going to be a superstar? I didn't. I, I wasn't highly recruited. That's the funny part. Um, I, you know, I just wanted to play. Like that was the whole thing. I, I just wanted to play golf, and I was fortunate enough to be recruited by TCU and got to play all four years at TCU. And then at TCU, you decided Q school or right out to be a pro. What was the deal from there? You know, I should have I should have known. This is the way my luck works. I, so my senior year, my coach says, "Well, if you're going to go to Q school, you probably need to go the the first year out. You know, that that's probably going to be your best bet." I'm like, "Okay." Um, well, there's this thing called the Futures Tour at the Times. Now yeah. our Symmetra Tour. If I can go and I can get my status that way, then I won't have to go to Q school. So I do that, and then about the time I get the Curtis Cup call, so then I have to stay an amateur, and it just like. It, it worked out perfectly. I got to play the Curtis Cup, the amateur, the British amateur, uh, the U.S. Open as an amateur, and then I had to go to Q School. So I was trying to avoid Q School and then uh, went and made it my first time and been here ever since. And the pressure that the kids have Q School as a defining moment in their mm -hmm. career, you have other kind of pressures, but that's not a pressure you have to currently deal with. You know, it, it is a brutal week. Um, you know, and I, and I told myself when I left, I never want to come back. Uh, and, and I haven't. And I think what we're doing with our Q school, we're changing the format. I think we'll, we'll tell the, you know, I think you play eight rounds instead of five. Um, so I think that's, I'm going to be interested to see how that goes because I think it's going to be good. Four-year speech communication major, so you can have any job in the broadcast booth that you ultimately want. Your career is set on the course, and I'm sure it would be off the course too. But a lot of the women that you play with probably have uncertain futures relative to a high-risk game mm. because they don't know where their next dollar is coming from. You know, talk about the business of being a pro golfer. I tell you, it, it's really, you know, the older I get, so I've been on here 18 years, and uh, I'm so glad I didn't know then what I know now. Um, because, would you have done it? Uh, yes, yeah, yes, would, I, I would have, anyway, I would but have. But, you know, I tell people all the time, I start at zero. Every year I start at zero. Um, I think the one thing that we could probably, the, the area now that I'm older, I didn't know this when I was younger, is I think we could do better on the retirement and investment side of our tour. I, that's the thing that scares me the most watching my, my younger friends is, you know, do they understand the retirement aspect of it? Do they understand, because you're not going to play professional yeah. golf forever. You may not play two more years. Right. Um, are and you prepared for that? But you got to get there. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I think, but you also have to do something for yourself along the way too. Um, I think that's the area of growth that our tour, um, we probably need that the most, you know, after, and I've always said we've, you know, we've, we have all these little things and we're getting better in so many areas. Well, you know, retirement's one of those things that you don't really think about until you need it. So um, we have obviously, we're handling the things that we need to handle on this tour, but now that I'm getting older, I'm getting closer to that retirement, I'm thinking, maybe we should, you know, look into that. Well, you know, and it's a trade-off, right? Because mm -hmm. golf and tennis are inherently independent contractor sports, mm -hmm. and it's survival of the fittest, but yet there are obligations of the league to be able to prepare you to do some things. This would be one of them? Well, I mean, just, I, I don't mean, I mean um, education. Yeah. Like, what can we be doing for ourselves? You know, I think that, um, because I wasn't aware, you know, this is something that I've learned along the way. So I think that's in one area, um, talk about the business side of it, that I think we could learn more. How did you find your first sponsor? Um, 
You know, it was actually the relationship that I had with my uh, college golf team, TCU. Uh, Coach Angie had a relationship with Ping, and she, when we would go play in Phoenix, we went to Ping, and she's like, you know, I want you to introduce yourself to the employees. I want you to know, you know, the people that are giving you the golf clubs yeah. to use. And I said, Coach, I want to be a Ping player. And I loved that company. I loved, you know, how nice they were to me. And they're just great people, and I, I wanted to be a part of their team. Do you view the pro-ams as a uh, uh, friendship solicitation, sponsorship solicitation, just getting to know people? What, how, do you, how do you get in? Oh, and you got to practice for the tournament, but what's, what's the balance? I'm, I'm very old school in my take on pro-ams. Um, I believe it, it is honestly for the, the ams. It's for, uh, it's their day. Um, any practice I'm going to do needs to happen before. I'll probably hit some putts out there, but hopefully all of my homework's done because that day is really about them. And I'm kind of old school in that because I've had some older ladies teach me that and, yeah. and teach me the importance of that. So um, I see it as I, I want to know people's stories. Like I want to know what they're doing there. I want to know how did you wind up playing with me on a Wednesday in Texas? Yeah, and it's an interesting concept as well when you combine it with Mike Wan's little cue cards where yeah. he tells people that may not get it as much as you that the sponsors are the ones who sign the check, so you got to make sure that it is their day whether you believe it or not. And it is. I mean, it truly is. If they have a terrible time, they're yeah. not coming back. And that's, you know, I use that with my foundation event too. I tell my board and I say, look, I'd, I want certain things done a certain way because I want people to come back. You know, I want them to have a good time. I don't want them to walk away saying, I never want to do that again. And, and I think that's what LPGA players get. They get that if they walk away saying, gosh, that was fun, they'll come back. Talk about your foundation. You know, um, I, like, I've always wanted to help kids. Um, I, I love kids. I think they can't, a lot of times they can't, they kind of get dealt a bad hand and, and they didn't ask for it. Uh, my mom was diagnosed in 2009. Um, and then we lost a board member to cancer in 2010. And I realized that when I was in high school, if I were a senior, I probably wouldn't have gone straight to school because we were very middle class. Um, so we're trying to catch those kids that maybe are too rich or too poor and they kind of miss some of the, the funding or whatever. Um, so we're just trying to help them keep going. Um, I believe you have to have a purpose in the morning. You're passionate. Obviously, you have some experience with the benefits of the charity. Business show, how's your foundation organized? You have an active board. Do you run it? What's the deal? Uh, I'm on the board. We have uh, we have seven board members. We have a scholarship committee who reads the scholarship applications. I sit on that too. I'm very involved. I don't. Uh, I actually had this conversation with my mom before I. The foundation started in 2009, and I said, Mom, I I think it's a big deal to ask people for their money, and and I don't want to ever do anything that I'm not supposed to do with that money. We only have one paid employee. I say we're very boutiquey. You know, we're not the WalMarts of the world, no. but. Um, but hopefully we'll get there. We serve Texas kids in Texas schools, but pretty big state to start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I just we're trying to keep the expenses to a minimum because when people give me their money, I want them to know that it's actually going to a kid in their future. Sure, they know, and I'm sure they do. Interesting question. I'm assuming you're a jock, you're a cowboy fan, TCU. Yeah. What do you think about the one and done in college basketball? Boy, I tell you, I, I, I wish it would go away. And in my, I always thought, so then you see these kids for two or three more years, and I think that makes the NCAA tournament at the end of the year 
that much better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you could make it better, but I think it would. Yeah. But then I didn't even think about the front end of that where kids that don't even want to go to college. And I kind of wish it would be that way. Either you don't go or you declare as an amateur or whatever you're going to do. And if you don't get drafted, you still have that opportunity. But I just, I think the one and done, because I want to see those guys keep playing. Like I, there's just something about watching a senior at Duke or something like, you know, a there senior. Was one. Yeah, one. <laughs> it's like Tyrannosaurus Rex now. You're, you're yeah. never going to see another one. Probably. I know. I just, it, it just, uh, you know, I just, I wish they had more juniors and seniors playing in this, in the NCAA tournament. Well, the bottom line too is, that, and this is not for this, but it is interesting to know that we're probably heading toward that baseball system where you can either go straight to the pros, but if you commit, you got to stay at least two years. Better? I love it. Yeah. I, I think, and I think it's great for the coaches too. I, yeah. you know, this is just my personal opinion. I'm not sure that you have that the controversy with the coaches if it weren't so cutthroat about I got to find that one kid for one year and then he's got to go. Yeah. And, and, and from a TCU perspective. When are you going to start playing defense? You win your football games sixty-three to fifty-eight. Are you going to start? You're going to start playing defense sometime, or what? You're talking about Coach Patterson's <laughs> defense. I I just can't believe that. <laughs> I, I think um, Coach Patterson's got it under control. Good. There you go. That's a good answer. And a Cowboy fan, clearly. I am. I really sincerely. I you know they drive me crazy, and I, I can't say why because I know that Jerry Jones would see this somewhere along the line. Yes, and, he would. Um, you know, I. He's, he's at the pro am party tonight, by the way. Personally, there's a big fifty foot screen of him up uh-oh. there. So looking well, down. <laughs> I have a few things to say. Yeah, but sure. No. I I find myself, I mean, definitely Cowboy fan by birth, but when I watch them, as, as mad as they make me, I'm, I'm behind them. So finally, speech communication major, TCU grad, what do you do after golf? I don't know. I, I never, um, somebody once told me a long time ago, if you have a plan B, you're probably going to fall back on it. So I haven't really had a plan B yet, but I think if you're totally 100% in on what you're doing right now, uh, I think the right door will open when you're done. And so there are a few more majors in your uh, major victories in your future? I hope so. I think that's why I'm sticking around. Maybe I just outlast everybody and then I, I finally get one. <laughs> Not a problem with that. Work for the Cubs. Thank you, yeah. Angela. Appreciate Thanks. that very much. Thanks for having okay. me. Well, Angela Stanford gives us some perspective that we didn't have before and obviously very important as we look forward to a number of things that the LPGA does off season, leading to next year. Well, yeah, let's talk about football because that's all we want to talk about, clearly. City of Pittsburgh, Cal Ripken Senior Foundation and Dan Towers, the CEO of Group 1001, announced plans to design and construct a new youth athletic field in honor of Pro Football Hall of Famer Curtis Martin. Located near the Hollywood, the Homewood neighborhood of Pittsburgh, where Martin grew up, the new multi-sport synthetic turf field will be used for football, soccer, baseball, softball, and provide youth sports safe place to play. The new field made possible thanks in part to a generous $5 million donation to the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation from Taurus and Group 1001, used to build a total of 10 youth development parks over five years in 10 cities across the country. Each field will receive up to five hundred grand in funding from Group 1001 and will support the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation's MLB RBI Reviving Baseball in Inner City Partnership, designed to provide baseball and softball league play for underserved youth, as well as other youth-serving organizations. The Stargell Field Revitalization Project comes after three years of planning by grassroots organization Homewood Community Sports, which has been in existence since the 1960s. And as the NFL regular season settles in and baseball heads to the playoffs, the timing of this game-changing announcement 
could not be more appropriate. Well, at the same time, the NFL Hall of Fame board demanding proper compensation for years of service, there are some controversies. Board Chairman Eric Dickerson penned a letter to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, Exec Director Maurice Smith of NFLPA and Hall of Fame President David Baker, demanding health insurance and an annual salary share of league revenue for the Hall's living alumni. The letter notes that instead of enjoying a peaceful life in retirement, many of the NFL's greatest players have struggled with financial and health issues since retiring from the league, and they threatened that a failure to meet the Hall of Fame demands would result in many high-profile players abstaining from future Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. The NFL generated $14 billion in revenue last season, and the Hall of Fame board claims that without them, the league wouldn't be what it is today. Several Hall of Fame members, including Rice, say they've never signed the letter and refuse to move forward unless health and other benefits are extended to all alums, not just Hall of Famers. Stay tuned. It's a big controversy. Cooler heads are in the middle of this, and hopefully rationality prevails as it should everywhere. Let's talk basketball. Well, we'll talk basketball from a charitable context. Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets stepping up to help the community following Florence's devastation in the Carolinas. Jordan donating a million bucks to the Red Cross and another million to the Foundation for Carolina's Response Fund. The Red Cross providing food and shelter to those displaced by the storm and the direction of funds to nonprofits in the Carolinas. Jordan hopes the money will not only help with immediate relief, but will go toward addressing the long-term effects on people all over the Carolinas, whose lives have been changed for the worse. People need to understand this will not be a week-long process. It's going to be a huge disruption, not for 10 days, but for years. In addition to pledging money, more than 100 members of the Hornets organization will help package disaster food boxes for those in need around the region. Hands-on response has also been pledged by the Carolina Panthers, the NFL, and multiple college programs all over the place. Mavericks over owner Mark Cuban agreed to contribute $10 million toward women's organizations in the wake of the investigation into the team's workplace. The NBA launched the investigation just over a half year ago and reports toward violence in the workplace with female employees came forward through an SI article. A report in Sports Illustrated described a corporate culture rife with misogyny and predatory sexual behavior that spanned decades in the Mavericks organization, including numerous allegations against former CEO and President Terdima Ussery, who left the Mavericks in 2015. The investigation saw an outside loss firm speak to 215 current and former Mavericks players and included the, concluded the team's management was ineffective including a lack of compliance and internal controls. Never the pain that people went through was the intent, said Mark Cuban, and there's no place for harassment in any industry, including the male-dominated sports world, and it's gratifying to see the long progressive NBA take on leadership as more of the Me Too investigations come to light. Cavaliers, profit-oriented, Crane's Cleveland business says they followed a league-wide trend by reducing their capacity to the mid-19,000s, down from over 25,000. And only five arenas hold more than 20 these days. United Center, Little Caesars in Detroit, Capital One in D.C., Wells Fargo in Philly, and previously, 
Quicken Loans. The $45 million upgrade, $115 million of which covered by the Cavs, the total cost, $185. The deal will be directly going toward total overhaul of the team's locker room, ready before the start of the new season. Executive VP of Communications Tad Carper said the project did not generate $45 million in cost overruns, but rather the team opted to invest the money to improve upon the already planned upgrades. From cutting-edge uniforms to first-class locker rooms, amenities matter to players and prospects, and the Cavs clearly paid attention. The Blazers looking at revenue, 24th team in the NBA to sign a jersey patch deal, multi-year agreement with Illinois-based performance health. The chief product of theirs is Biofreeze, will be featured on the breast of Blazer jerseys this year, while also appearing on practice jerseys and the team's summer league uniforms. Despite flirting with multiple partners last year, the Blazers decided to wait to find the right fit for their first jersey patch sponsor. Performance Health currently holds ambassador deals with Sloan Stevens, Sean White, and MLB teams including the Red Sox, Cubs, Dodgers, Giants, Yankees, and marquee marathons in San Francisco, New York, and Chicago. Financials around the deal not been released, but such deals have proven to be lucrative for teams and NBA sponsors alike. During last year's pilot program, the NBA generated around $137 million, while sponsors earned nearly three times that on the social media area alone. And as NBA Pat teams report to camp on Tuesday, look for all 30 NBA squads to have jersey patch deals by 19 or 20 a year from now. And then finally, from the basketball perspective, it's been busy. The Sixers hired former NBA or Elton Brand as their new GM. They chose to stay in-house with the hire to replace Brian Colangelo, reporting Brand from his previous role as VP Basketball Ops of the G League Delaware Bluecoats. Brand's appointment caps a wild 23-month period. He went from playing for the Sixers coach and coach Brett Brown to being his peer, now being his boss. The move has drawn praise and scrutiny from observers. Brand has no previous front office experience for such a role. After conducting interviews with the Jazz GM Justin Zanuck and Rockets executive VP Gerson Rosas and 76ers ownership believe Brand had sold them on his vision, preparedness, and ability to grow into the role at a crucial time for the organization. And while not necessarily part of the famed process with all of the management turmoil the franchise has faced, it's not surprising they tapped one of their own for this critical role. Let's look at hockey. It starts in earnest this week, and the Bruins and Flames recently conducted their trip to the Asian country as part of the 2018 NHL China Games, which consisted of one game in Shenzhen and another in Beijing. The NHL long since lagged behind the NBA in terms of tapping into the Chinese market with its nearly 1.4 billion residents. NHL Executive VP Media International Strategy David Proper said that if hockey grows in China over the next decade to a point where it's not the NBA, but something significantly different, then we'll reassess it's not just growing the sport, but how to build our business there. Growing the sport in China not only bodes well for the NHL and its business, but for building momentum well ahead 
of the 2022 Olympics slated to be in Beijing. Let's talk Vegas for a couple minutes because they continue to monopolize the headlines in hockey as they should. They signed the first team sponsorship deal with a bookmaking company, William Hill U.S., teaming up with the NHL's newest and hottest team, a historic and fitting marriage between the first global sports book to enter the U.S. market and the first major sports franchise in the world's, world's gaming capital, its home. Neither side confirming the financial value of the partnership, though it's a multi-year and non-exclusive deal. The Golden Knights have made a conscious effort to keep a diverse sponsorship portfolio, going well beyond the assumed ties they would have with the Vegas bookmakers and gambling entities. Joe Asher of William Hill said, We hope the people will be sitting at home and T-Mobile and also betting between periods. Frankly, we know they do that already, and we're hoping to be able to get more people to our site because the brand will be right there in front of them. How far we've come, it's only a few short years ago that the people swore Vegas would never have a pro sports team due to the gambling stigma. Now they do. Finally, let's take a look at Vegas in another context. It's ongoing and it's charitable. Runway support, walking the runway, the Vegas players. And in the middle of the preseason games, multiple players from the recent expansion team took a break from their skates and threw on their finest threads for the first-ever Vegas Strong charity fashion show. VIPs at the event were able to bid on the suit jacket designs right off the backs of the players. According to NBC, the ABC Vegas affiliate KNTV, the event proceeds went to Route 91 Strong, a nonprofit that provides financial assistance to the survivor of last year's mass shooting. Participating Golden Knights, Derek Engelin, Pierre Belmer, Alex Tuck, Ryan Reeves, Oscar Lindbergh, jo- jo- uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, a lot of others. The Vegas continued support has helped unify Las Vegas in the wake of the great tragedy and helped the team grow an ongoing, faithful, and loyal fan base. Finally, soccer and charity. Brazilian soccer icon Pele announced the launch of his new charitable foundation. The Pele Foundation aims to empower children by covering topics of poverty and education. The foundation partnering with Pencils of Promise and Charity, water in its first year to fulfill the mission. After its inaugural soccer stardom, Pele has the capital to use his firsthand experience of growing up in a neighborhood that lacked resources to give back. His charity allocated funds to ensure the expansion of the Innovative Teacher Support Program to provide and improve fluency and comprehension for hundreds of students in Guatemala. The foundation also looks to provide as many children as possible with access to clean water, obviously very important. In future years, the Pele Foundation looks at opportunities to create their own programs to expand their efforts to empower children, including issues regarding gender equality. UEFA, their marketing director, says they're developing their own over-the-top streaming service. We go from charity to money, but the Champions League and the Europa League will remain in the hands of major broadcasting networks. The OTT service provides more airtime for categories, though, like women's soccer and futsal. The fact is that in-house streaming will open up a brand new revenue stream to UEFA, creating an additional opportunity for interested brands to attach their name to the organization. 
Finally, finally, more revenue. The ongoing issue, does La Liga play any regular season games in the U.S.? The 15-year-old joint venture signed between La Liga and the 15-year deal between La Liga and Relevant, a multinational media, sports, and entertainment group, in August is up in the air pending FIFA's approval. FIFA president Gianni Infantino expressed doubt about Barcelona and Girona playing in Miami this January after admitting the idea is not appealing to them. I'd prefer to see a great MLS game in the U.S. rather than La Liga being in the U.S., noted Infantino. In football, the general principle is that you play a home match at home, not in a foreign country, he says. News of the deal stirred up excitement in the U.S., but drew heavy criticism from La Liga players and the club's domestic fan base. Much uncertainty remains. Hey, it's a long book and a short chapter. The NFL's going across the pond. We'll see if La Liga comes here. Well, how about that? For a busy, busy sports schedule this week, we'd like to thank Angela Stanford and her folks for setting up an incredibly timely interview, and congratulations to her after the major. We'd like to thank Dan Martin and Tanner Simpkins for putting the show together. And we'd like to thank you for listening and watching and joining us once again when we go Beyond the Scoreboard.